It's time to put a little mace in your face, people. I don't don't mean to start like running around macing people. That's definitely not something you should do. No, what I'm talking about when I say a little mace in your face, I'm talking about the one and only Mace Windu because there is a brand new Mace Windu comic book out there and the guy who wrote it is our friend and former EW co-worker Mark Bernardin. Mark is back on the pod this week to talk all about getting to write the latest chapter of the Mace Windu Expanded Universe story. Plus, what other Star Wars project percolating out there is Mark most excited about? We'll get into that as well. It is all coming up right here and right now on the Dagobah Dispatch. I am Dalton Ross, here with my Jedi Council of Devin Kogan and producer Sammy Junio. What's going on, Devin? Hello, hello. Honored to be part of the Jedi Council. Although, I don't know, the Jedi Council aren't super good at their jobs. So maybe that's a little bit of a backhanded compliment. (laughs) We keep telling, I was telling Wes Chatham last week that Captain Enoch's not very good at his job. And we're saying the Jedi Council. I feel like you're here in the council room I'm there. I feel like Sammy is coming in via hologram. I always thought that was the coolest. The council yep. members that just beam in via hologram because yep. they're off in the universe somewhere, like doing stuff. That's no, awesome. yeah, Sammy's off on on the planet of, of Camino investigating. You know what's going on with all this cloning, and we're just like back in the I don't know in the Jedi Council room, just hanging out, not doing anything dangerous. That's right. They're, they're getting attacked by droidicas uh, and just sort of beaming in uh, all the time. <laughs> Um, we're going to have a, a, a great conversation with Mark Bernard and we've had Mark on before, by the way, if you go back in our archives, we did a really fun pod, I don't know, like a year and a half ago or something, yeah. point, maybe Devin, uh, talking all about, um, the best moments from every Star Wars movie. So if you listen to this pod with Mark and you want more, go back and check that out. Um, that's going to be a great conversation, but we got some news we want to talk about and we got some housekeeping we got to do as well. Uh, Always tell you, we love to connect with you all and you can connect with us by giving us a call. Uh, You can leave us a voicemail at our voicemail line. It's 657-799-1566. You can leave us thoughts, questions, uh, anything you want, throw it in there and uh, you you can be part of the the podcast. We also do a poll and you can, uh, if you listen to the podcast on Spotify, we put up a poll question every week that you can answer. And we uh, and last week's pod question. Now I'll I'll take you behind the curtain a little bit. I'm going away on vacation. Uh, as you hear this, hopefully <laughs> I am on a beach. Uh, it, it, so hopefully I'm like burning somewhere because I really have no like. There's no tanning. Like I'm either pale as a ghost or I'm red like a lobster. There's really no in between. I'm the same way. Yeah, yeah. it's it's so- two poles. I'll take, I'll take, you know, pale over, over burnt. So hopefully I'm pale still. But anyway, uh, so we're recording this podcast a little bit early. So our previous pod just went up. So don't really have full results for you, but I'll give you some real time updates. Our question was on last week, is Thrawn's right hand man, Captain Enoch, good at his job? Because I put the question to Wes who plays him. And I said, you know, Hey, uh, I'm just looking at the facts. So he defended the job that he's doing. We talked about this as well on our pod. And uh, we put the question to you. Just so far, 83% say yes. He's doing a good job. 16% say no. Apparently 1% is undecided. (laughs) (laughs) Because we love how this poll works. No, I think I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt and say that he's good at his job, mostly because he looks really cool. And I feel like looking the part is half the battle. Yeah. Yeah, he does look cool. Very intimidating. 
Very, very creepy with that gold mask. Um, but yeah. So yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Now that there's a season two, we'll get to find out if he is indeed good. I mean, I feel like that character is definitely going to die. He feels like a, a you know a boss in a video game. You yes. know what I mean? Like it's a total 100%. boss level. So at some point, he's going to do a one-on-one on like, maybe not even Ahsoka, maybe like Sabine or someone. You know yeah. what I mean? Or like Ezra or Hera. Just someone is going to have a one-on-one with with Captain Enoch and and will he'll probably, you know, die at that point. So well, <laughs> but Wes, oh, Wes will a, be looking a for another job. Glorious <laughs> so, death it'll be. That's exactly right. That's just it. It'll be a glorious death. Uh all right. So we'll uh, we'll have a poll up this week, which we'll get into actually after we talk about the news we want to hit on this week before we get to our interview with Mark Bernard and talking all about Mace Windu. You guys are gonna love that. But Daisy Ridley is making the rounds because she's got a new indie film out, Devin, uh, called Sometimes I Think About Dying. So she's off doing the press tour as as one does when they have a new film out. And she was on the Happy, Sad, Confused podcast. And of course, she's doing this press tour and everyone's asking her about her new movie and her process and all this stuff. Everyone wants to, to ask her about Star Wars as well, right? Like she's getting all these Star Wars questions. So she started talking about Devin's favorite movie, The Rise of Skywalker. Hmm. And she was asked about the response to it. And she said, it's still upsetting. You don't want people to feel like you've not served the thing that they're a fan of. But The Last Jedi was so divisive. It felt like the first one, everyone was responsive in the same way. The second, super divisive. The last one, super divisive. It didn't change how I felt about it. Um, First of all, I'm just going to pause there. because. I feel like the word divisive is interesting. Mm-hmm. I feel like the word divisive is totally the perfect use, word to use for The Last Jedi. Yes. Like that is a movie where people like Devin, I don't know if Devin would say it was her number one Star Wars movie of all time, but no. like, but, but, but people would, like people love, 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 love The Last Jedi, like Devin. Yeah. Uh, there's other people that hate, hate, hate The Last Jedi. There's some like me that are kind of in between. I love certain things about it, not as crazy about other things. But that totally. is a divisive movie. Very right? much so. Like whether you whether you don't whether you love it or don't love it, I think all of us would agree. And it's very hard for people in the Star Wars community to agree. But I think we would agree that is not only divisive, that is the most divisive Star Wars movie. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Okay. Is The Rise of Skywalker divisive? Now, I'm not saying that there's no one that likes that movie. We had Jess Leon on our podcast. She defended it. She said she really liked it. But I don't think that it is a movie that is super loved and super loathed. Like any Star Wars movie, you can find someone that's going to cut against the grain and say why a great movie is bad or why people that think it's a bad movie is good. Sure. I'm sure there's people listening to this right now that really like The Rise of Skywalker. That's fine. But it is not generally thought of as a divisive movie with two huge camps. Is it, Devin, or am I wrong? No, I think you're 100% right. I it, It's a movie that is, I think, as a general rule, it was just kind of disappointing. Um, you know, I... I, I I think if you found a Star Wars fan on the street and said, what did you think about The Rise of Skywalker? I think, you know, best case scenario, they'd be like, eh. Babu Frick was cute. And in the worst case scenario, they're like, oh my God, here's a litany of 
problems that that of issues that I had with it. I think you know um, many of the problems with that movie are not its fault. Um, obviously, you know losing Carrie Fisher is a huge blow. Um, there was some behind the scenes drama where you know they they switched directors a couple times. It, it came together kind of kind of quickly and. Um, no, I don't think it's a hot take to say that that as a I, I, it's just not popular. So yeah, divisive as I think maybe a, a polite word, way to say yeah. that people didn't really care for it. So this is interesting. Then the next thing she says is, and she's talking about uh, Kathleen Kennedy here when she says the the name Kathy, uh, you know, president of Lucasfilm. What was strange was before I had breakfast with Kathy last year, I had five people come to me and go are they going to do any more with you? And it was really strange. In the six to eight months before that, the way with which I was being greeted by people's response to Rise of Skywalker was quite different than it had been before. Time had passed. That was what was really strange. So this kind of struck me too, because we've talked about it. A lot of people have talked about it. Certainly people like Ewan McGregor and Hayden Christensen, while talking to us, have talked about how, you know, the response has changed a little bit to those prequel films. The reason being people grew up with those films and are really fond of them as a kid. Let's be honest. When you're a kid, you have no taste, right? Like you don't like, it's just true. Like, excuse you. I had impeccable taste okay. as a child. You love anything. Like I've talked about this before. Like when I was a kid, I thought like welcome back. Cotter was the funniest TV show in history. I watched one like episode as a doll. Like that is the dumbest S I've ever seen in my entire life. We like things when we like when we we're a kid because of the nostalgia factor. It's a huge gravitational pull that just pulls you in. You remember a time in your life, um, and it's it's really fun to think back to that kind, you know, simpler era or whatever when you were young, and everything was just not as complicated as it is now, and you have all these problems you have to deal with. It. So it's just it's natural to love things when you were a kid to grow up with affection for them. Doesn't mean the movies are better necessarily, but you know. Time has changed the perception of those films because people are now 20 years older than they were when they watched them. I don't know if six months has changed the the response to Rise of Skywalker. I have certainly not noticed a groundswell of support. And if you're listening to this and you feel a lot differently about Rise of Skywalker now than you did six months ago, please, by all means, call us at 657-799-1566. But what do you make of this take of hers that the, that the take on rise of skywalker has changed in under a year i don't know if it's so much the take on rise of skywalker has changed as much as it's sort of an affection for character versus story um i think you know people coming up to her and saying hey are they going to do more with ray and like are they going to continue ray's story is a testament to kind of her performance and you know how interesting that character is and sort of the storytelling opportunities there and and whereas i i feel like maybe right after rise of skywalker came out everybody was just sort of like Ugh, can we press pause for a minute and maybe not like jump right into another star wars movie whereas like a little bit of time passes you start to think about all the things you love about this character of Ray and and the new things that you want to explore and and sort of the next chapter that she could go on and so I think to me that's the sense that I get um, because I do want to know what happens to Ray and this is a character that I think is really great and and would love to see more of I'm I'm really disappointed by the way that particular story ended um, but I this is again a character I love and and I think a lot of people want to see more from her so that's my two cents on it. And it's and just 
those that are longtime listeners of the podcast know this and those that are newer to it and are just stumbled upon this episode may not. I mean, I wouldn't use necessarily the word defender, but I have been the kindest person, especially when Lauren Moore was on this podcast. In between Devin and Lauren, <laughs> I've been kind of the acted as the defender of Rise of Skywalker because while I acknowledge the problems, there are things about that film I like. And when we did our top 100 Star Wars uh, characters ever list, which you can find and is a fun read, I was the big Ray champion in the room. And Devin and Lauren, perhaps accurately said, yeah, but they kind of bungled that character at the end, the back and forth and what's her lineage. And I, I get it, but I just love Ray so much and was a huge fan of Daisy Ridley's performance of that, that character. Um, so, you know, I understand what you're saying in terms of the, the people, you know, loving that character, but uh, I, I don't think there's been a reconsideration of that movie that I've noticed. I don't uh, think so. Yeah, you know. no. I mean, we love Babu Frick. Um, big fan. Uh, I've told you had... the things I like about that movie, Devin. I like the big battle on the Death Star. I think is is cool. Yeah. Um, you know, I think there's there's moments that 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 do work in that film. And like now, let's get to the the other thing she talked about. The other that I, I guess was controversial in the fan base. I didn't necessarily realize it was. Perhaps maybe you did. Yeah, because you're not part of the Raylo fandom. I'm not. See, I, I don't really <laughs> do the shipping thing, so I don't know. But it was the kiss with Kylo Ren. Uh, Ridley said, I felt like we all, it felt earned. What was interesting again is intentionality. My feeling is that moment was that it was a goodbye and that felt earned. You can call a kiss a thousand things, but it felt it was a goodbye. That whole scene felt emotional. I felt I was saying goodbye to the job too. It, that kiss is controversial. Do people not like that kiss, Devin? I, um, I totally so, was lost on that. Well, it's sort of, there's two camps. There's people who are like, they shouldn't be romantic at all. And why is, why are they kissing? And then he immediately kills over and dies. And there's like, she, they should hate each other. It's, it's not romantic. And then there's the other camp, which are like, he deserves redemption. And, you know, he, he's back to being Ben again. It's so silly that she just kisses him and he immediately dies. Um, he, they deserve a happy ending. Um, I, actually kind of like the kiss. I think it makes sense. I think these characters needed to kiss at least at one point in this trilogy. Um, kind of based on like the relationship that has been set up through uh, Force Awakens and Last Jedi. Um, I do think it's a little silly that they share a kiss and then he immediately slumps over and dies. <laughs> it's like, oh, his poor fragile heart couldn't handle it. He just had to had to keel over. Um, and and I, I'm one of the people who I do, I don't I, I'm really glad that that Kylo becomes Ben at the end and has this redemption, but I, I do think that he kind of needs to die at the end of this trilogy. And there's a lot of people who will disagree with me on that, but I think based on you know, I mean, he killed Han Solo. He's a mass murderer. He's a war criminal. Like he has this moment of redemption, but I don't see what the story would look like of him going forward. And 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 it's like Vader needs to die at the end yeah. of Return of the Jedi. Um, he has his moment of redemption and he dies. Um, but yeah, the the kiss is very controversial because some people are like, oh, it shouldn't be romantic at all. And some people are like, no, they should be together forever. Um, and also it's just kind of like weirdly executed. Like I think Daisy Ridley and Adam Driver do a great job, but like the writing again of him, literally they share a kiss and then he just like slumps over and dies is kind of funny, like unintentionally funny. Um, so it's, it's, it's kind of a, a controversial moment for sure. Yeah, but it does right. make me laugh a little bit that J.J. Abrams is like, it's not a romantic moment. Or it's like not like a there's like more of a brother sister thing. I'm like, I don't know. I don't yeah. really have nope. si have have kisses like that with my with my siblings. So we have enough brother sister kisses in this franchise. Yeah, <laughs> okay, I'm hot, it's like, you know, so we don't need 
we don't need. I agree with what you said. I, I there's a hundred percent was a romantic element between those two characters, yeah. undeniably. That you know the whole like Last Jedi when he's like shirtless and they're communicating with each other. I mean, come on, they have incredible chemistry. Yeah, and, and I also agree with you that he needed to die. Uh, yeah, so I, I'm on Team Devin on all that. Uh, all right, well, look, and uh, listen, uh, you guys can weigh in. Like, give us a call. Tell us your thoughts on either the, the kiss. Or just your thoughts on Rise of Skywalker. Hit our voicemail line. Let us know. And um, for the poll this week, let's just do this as we're talking about the sequel trilogy. What is the best sequel trilogy movie? The Force Awakens, The Last Jedi, The Rise of Skywalker. We know what Devin's pick is. Uh, You can select as well. Hit us up on the poll on Spotify. Uh, All right. I spoke with Mace Windu comic writer Mark Bernardin, and you're going to hear that conversation right after this super quick break. All right. Our guest this week is a former Entertainment Weekly editor who is a master of all media. He's written for TV shows like Picard, Carnival Roll, Carnival Row. I don't know why I call it Carnival Roll. That's a different show. <laughs> and Castle Rock. He's hosted the Fat Man Beyond podcast with Kevin Smith. He's written an incredible graphic novel, Adora in the Distance, which landed him on Late Night with Seth Meyers. And it's another comic book that has him here today. He has written the new Star Wars Mace Windu comic that was just released by Marvel. It's the first in a four-part series, I believe. Uh, we're excited to have our old buddy Mark Bernardin back on the podcast. MB, hey, what's going on, man? Dalton, how are you, man? It's, oh, been, man. it's been a while, but it's, I always love seeing your face. Yeah, man. It's good It's good seeing you as well and chatting. I mean, like, it's, you know, it's funny because you, you and I wrote about Star Wars and talked about Star Wars together while working at Entertainment Weekly. And now you are writing for Star Wars. Like, does does ten year old Mark Bernard sometimes like just peek out and go like, "Holy crap! How did this happen?" <laughs> yeah, like every every time there's there's like some communication with like Lucasfilm or Marvel, and there's a note, and they're like, "Hey, would you mind just tweaking this so it's more in line with canon?" And like the writer in me is like, "I don't wanna." And then the ten year old in me is like, "Dude, just do whatever they want. You're writing Star Wars." <laughs> That's so cool. And, and like, and that's what I want you to talk about a little bit is, is take us through the process of this. And I've talked with some of the authors in the Expanded Universe novels about this too. And I, I find it endlessly fascinating in terms of, of these projects. So how did this come together? Like, did you approach them about a series or were they looking to do a May series and got in touch with you? How did that all work? Um, it, it, from my end of it, I, they, they, they cold called me for this uh, Darth Vader, Black, White, and Red kind of anthology series they were doing. Um, you know, I, I never really remember how my name crosses anyone's transom for anything um, other than having been in the world for 40 years, <laughs> you know, professional nerd for 30 of those. Um, and so, you know, when they when they reached out and asked me about Darth Vader, I was like, hell yeah, you want me to write a 13-page story about Darth Vader doing Darth Vader stuff? Here for it. You got it. Um, and then that went well enough, at the very least, I didn't screw anything up enough, that they were like, hey, so we're thinking about this Mace Windu thing for next year. Are you interested? And and the opportunity was Mace Windu from my chair wasn't that much of a character as much as it was Sam Jackson with a purple lightsaber. And it's like, if I get to write younger Sam Jackson with a purple lightsaber, it's like, can I write younger Sam Jackson? Like, yeah, we'd prefer it was not in canon. We don't want to change. We don't want to do firsts. We don't want to do lasts. So if you can find a story with him somewhere along his continuum, 
that like makes you feel better and makes you feel happy about doing it. Like let's go to town. And then I said, yes, yes. Excellent. I'll do it. You got it. Mace, let's go. So then you, you, you get to do, you sign on. And then how does the story come together? Like who comes up with a general story that is told do you pitch them a story or how does it work? Um, I pitched them like four or five different stories because um, what they're, they're what they were looking for was what they call springboards, which is like give us like three or four sentences on kind of what this is, like the <clears throat> the back of the paperback copy of what mm-hmm. this is. So like you know, splinter in the mind's eye. It's about blah 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 blah. It's that version, like three or four of them. Like I got a heist book, I got a this book, I got a you know Jedi's Last Stand book, I got a whatever, and so they picked the one that they liked, which made me very happy because I think the pitch was like. Can I do Midnight Run, but with Mace Windu and a new smuggler character? And they were like, yes. I said, great. (laughs) (laughs) I want to do Midnight Run. Um, And then it became like once they zeroed in on the one that they liked, you just start fleshing it out and, you know, tell me about what this world is set. Tell me about the thing that they're after. Tell me about, you know, any new characters you want to add, like any or anybody from, you know, the sort of canon that you want in there. It's like, well, we got to have Yoda. Um, like it's, it's midnight run meets James Bond. So if Yoda gets to be M who sends him off on this new adventure and it, it literally, it starts like a James Bond movie. It starts with the, the tail end of an old adventure. There's a scene with him and Yoda, which kicks him off onto the new thing. There's a, there's another character and there's like Q who's telling him all about this. Like, here's your target, James. Here's what you're after. And she's got a, this, and you've got to get it to save the balance of power in the universe. And, um, so like it is both. A, a ton of fun and if i'm betraying anything it's like yeah i just did midnight run plus james bond plus star wars it's funny now that you mentioned that the the james bond sort of because in a way the the comic starts almost with a bond cold open sort of bond-esque sort of action scene right <laughs> off the bat which is super cool yeah it was it was how do you get you know how do you get people invested as quickly as you can in what is ultimately a 22 page, which I think, I think the first issue is like 30 pages long. Yeah. But it's like, that's not a lot of time to sink teeth in. So like, let's go, let's like right off the, right off the bat, let's just be in the middle of a thing. I, I, I'd worked on another show where I tried to get uh, a pirate story in there. And they were like, I don't like pirates. The showrunners like, I don't, I don't want pirates. I don't want blousy shirts. I don't want pirates. I don't want, I don't want like sea foam or anything. It's like, fine. I'm going to save pirates from my next thing. <laughs> it's like, how's how's Mace Windu going to start? Pirates. <laughs> I'm the prow of a ship. <laughs> it, you know, you, you mentioned bringing Yoda in. It's, it's interesting because the other thing that sort of fascinates about this process is you're creating canon here. So I, I assume you can't go just willy-nilly. You can't introduce every legacy character you want or you can't create any new character or planet you want necessarily. So how does that approval process work? Um, yeah, it was, it's not like I had a, a list of like, I want these nine characters. Who can I have? But very early on, it was, you know, the things that we know about Mace, which is not deep or, or vast because there hasn't been a ton. There was a Mace novel. Um, Shatterpoint. Shatterpoint. Um, you know, I, I come to Star Wars as a movie fan and not a sort of expanded universe, you know, legends kind of guy. And so, like, I, I poked into to Shatterpoint to see what it was all about. I watched the Clone Wars stuff that had him in it. Um, but th- there wasn't a ton of, of, of meat on those bones. But what there was was, like, 
in the prequel trilogy, he's like Yoda's number two, right? Like he's he's the I kept on calling him the Saltai to Yoda's Adama, right? Like Yoda could be the guy that everybody loved. And then Saltai was the guy who did all the stuff that Adama didn't want to do and knew he would get flack for. Like he was the, he was the guy who ran into the fire, you know, mm. on behalf of the old man. So like that dynamic was kind of interesting, but to me it was then where does that dynamic start? You know, or, or how is it, what's it like very early on when he's like a fresh Jedi Knight? You know, so I think it was it was figuring out from Lucasfilm when we could set the story. Um, we don't want him as a child. We don't want him as the sort of elder statesman. We'd like him kind of like early on in his career. Um, Yoda, thankfully, is functionally immortal until he's not. So like he could be along any of those points in that career. But like having Yoda in there felt right. And then in terms of the the from my my quest for the midnight run of it all, I was like, well, I need I need my Charles Grodin character. Like I need the other person i need the the uh, the other hand of the two-hander and that opportunity was like well maybe we can create somebody maybe we can invent somebody maybe we can you know populate this world with something really interesting um and i'm not going to spoil too much for what happens later in the in the book but there is a connection between azita cruz who's the smuggler that we created for this and mace windu that mace doesn't see coming that actually does sort of ground him a little bit in his own story, in his own history, um, and uh, and offers him a chance at reflection that I think we don't often let Jedi do, because Jedi are all about like leaving that world behind, sever your connections. You're now one with the Force. You don't go to high school reunions. You are not going back for you know the, the homecoming dance. Like all of that stuff is is no longer part of your life, but at what cost? And so I think getting to kind of poke at that a little bit and, and, and having somebody who could poke at the Jedi, you know, the, the, the imprimatur of the Jedi, the glory and wonder and legend of the Jedi, who doesn't really care about the Jedi, but she kind of likes this guy, was, a, was an opportunity we couldn't turn down. Yeah, what's more fun? I mean, is it like, is on one hand, you get to write for this established character like Mace or Yoda, for that matter, who's in, who's in the book. Um, but I'm sure, at least if I were in that position, I'd also... I wouldn't say I'd be struggling with it, but I'd be very careful with it, right? Like, does this play with this character? Does this make sense? Well, when you have a new character that you're creating, like Azita, maybe there's a little more freedom there to sort of like, let's see where this goes. Let's see like how this feels. Tell me about sort of the differences in terms of like writing to someone that's already been out there, which maybe you're a little confined. Well, another one where you just can go wherever you want with it. Yeah, I mean, some of it is um, is definitely that, right? Like Azita offers you the opportunity to a certain degree, and not to say do whatever you want, because there are still rules within the universe. There's still things that that Lucasfilm and Marvel uh, would prefer not be in a Star Wars book. But at the same token, nobody could tell me what she's supposed to think, or how she's supposed to feel, or what her perspective is supposed to be on the the, the galaxy at large. Where they can do that on Mace, and that's fine. Like the the job is always pick up the toys, do a little dance with the toys and put the toys down and don't mess up the toys. <laughs> you know, it's, it's the same rule since we were 12 and we're playing with somebody else's Star Wars toys. Yeah. Like, hey man, listen, you cannot set <laughs> Boba Fett on fire, but I really want to, that's my Boba Fett. You can't do it. You know, so Mace was never going to change really. Like Mace can have like tiny realizations and tiny sort of epiphanies, but he was never going to like, I'm giving up the Jedi order because I rolled with this lady for four issues. Never going to happen. But Azita can have change of, of, of heart and she can have, 
you know, sort of wild, different perspectives on on the universe that she lives in. Um, and that's that opportunity, right? And that's not to say that she's the person who can shoot a person in the back, but she could. Mace never could. <laughs> Mace never would. But it's funny how you said how, like, you know, and I think it's pretty apt. It's like Mace Windu really was Sam Jackson with a lightsaber. And you you sense that. I mean, you know, they all, even the lines like, this party's over, you know. You know, I I don't think so. You know, it's it's the dramatic entrances. So, what were you able to take from that character to then put on the page, either from that or Clone Wars and some of the other things you dipped in? Like, what were sort of the tenets of the character that you wanted to show up here? Um, I think I wanted to show this sort of because the the mace we meet in the in the Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones and and uh, and revenge of the sith is a is a clipped character right like he's very emotionally cut off he's very like even his speech patterns are very precise like he's a guy who likes control um clearly and so being able to kind of wind the tape back a little bit and see what that character was like like what what's part of the path he's on that forces him into a place where control is necessary you know where even his own emotional journey begins of one is somebody who's you know young and brash and you know one of the best lightsaber duelists in the galaxy and all these things what was he like before he was clipped like what was he like you know uh, in, in in his early 20s like just fresh out of the academy like rolling into the universe with a purple lightsaber and the shaved off his little whatever padawan locks yeah. and he's ready to get into it like so it was more it was less what was I trying to take from from the established canon of Mace and more who's the person who becomes that, you know, and what did he feel at some point along in his in his career? Did he need to hammer out of himself to achieve that, you know, and so getting to to do the sort of like wet behind the years first couple of like year one Mace Windu stuff is actually super fun. The, the thing I took. um most out of Shatterpoint, which I reread again recently, is that, you know, the thing that I find most interesting from Mace is that, you know, a lot of Jedi very reluctantly sort of will injure or hurt other people standing in their way, right? And like Mace, like I almost get the feeling that he's not really super reluctant to like Jedi do that. And we see that in your book. He's a, just approached by some thugs on the street. And, you know, most Jedi would just try to let me mind control my way out of this, or let me just stop, or let me just, he seems to like get a little kick out of that, out of taking that. And like, we know that his whole fighting style is going right up to the edge of the dark side mm -hmm. and, but not over it. And so I feel like that must be fun to play with, you know, in certain spots. It is. And, and, and there's moments where I think, in this book, Mace is even reminding himself what he's supposed to be doing and his own perspective is supposed to be on violence, right? Like there, there is some exchange he has with a Zeta where it's like, you know, you look at the lightsaber and you think it's a sword, but it's actually a shield. And it's like, but do you believe that, bro? <laughs> you've been shish kebabbing a lot of dudes. <laughs> These couple of issues. Um, he is, he's not necessarily the pacifier of any situation. Um. What other characters, like in your dream world, you know, doing Vader, now Mace and getting Yoda in there, what other characters would you love to write for, Mark? Um, I, I, I do believe still, and I, I know that people have dipped in this, in this pond a little bit, but, you know, I, I remember talking to, to Kevin Smith about this. Somebody asked a question at a podcast. It's like, well, what Star Wars, like in the vein of Ahsoka or Book of Boba Fett or whatever, what other Star Wars character would you want 
there to be a TV show about. And I was like, I want to see like the Wedge Antilles show. Like, mm-hmm. I want to see just just give me like Top Gun. Just give me it's like Top Gun meets Space Cops, where it's like where the and the the bleeding edge of creating what would be the sort of rebel fleet. And like that seems super cool. That seems super fun. Like, and it's the story we haven't really gotten. Um outside of maybe a little scratching in the video games, like the Rogue Squadron games and stuff. But like, tell me that story. Tell me, tell me, especially through the eyes of that guy who survives most of the big engagements in the, in the classic trilogy at any rate. Um, and I, and I, I do have a soft spot in my heart for the potential that was never realized in Finn. You know, like I think, yeah. I think there's so much more story there. I mean, that's a character who doesn't even have a name. And like the the opportunities to write a story that can help define and explore and and do a little way back. Like who was he before he becomes a stormtrooper? Like who was he supposed to be before that happens? Who is he going to be afterwards when he gets to kind of define himself? I think I think there was so much opportunity that both the movies wasted and the the, the ancillary media has yet to pick up. Yeah, I really, one of the things, one of the things that bummed me with the way the Finn story went in Rise of Skywalker was sort of then dropping the hints that I guess he's force sensitive. And I was like, you could have made this guy and you did it first. Mm-hmm. And then you, you could have made him so interesting without that. Like you don't need the force to be interesting. And this was like a really great character that you just completely squandered. And then just like threw him some sort of narrative bone with these stupid hints that He's you know waiting to tell Ray that he feels the force. Ah, just like yeah, it's a it's a bummer. Yeah, and like there's that beat. I think it's in Rise of Skywalker where where another character looks at him and says, "You're the reason why we all rebelled. Like you're mm-hmm. the one who left. Like you're the you're the one stormtrooper and all of the stormtroopers who ever said I don't want to do this anymore. Like and we all took some 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 inspiration from that. Like that's huge. Like there's there's the, there's an internal empire rebellion happening because of that guy and that it just kind of it it, it hand waved past it and went on to like well we got to tell this ray story and i get it ray's the hero but still like so much yeah. meat left on those bones and so much juice in that fruit that nobody's squeezing that uh that i think would be fun to to get into what is what's sort of the Star Wars thing lately you've been the most excited about? Obviously, there's a lot of streaming series. There's a lot of animated stuff still happening with Bad Batch. There's books. There's a lot of other comics that have come out recently or are still coming out. There's the upcoming movies that are going to be, it's going to be a few years, but they've announced a lot of movies. There's Jedi Survivor, which I'm playing, working my way through now, the video <laughs> game. What's sort of the one thing that's either happening now or kind of going to be happening in the future that you're most sort of geeked about? Um, I'm I'm really curious about... I mean, a and or season two, um, and or season one was the year it came out. My favorite TV show of the year. Like it is just Star Wars on a level um, that we haven't seen in a long time. Um, so more of that, yes, please. Um, but also the acolyte. Like I yes. don't know anything about it, which makes me so excited. You know, I know that it's Leslie Headland. I know that you know there, there's there's a handful of actors in it that all seem super interesting, but like. I don't know what it is, and that makes me so thrilled because so much of everything else is like, oh, I, I've already come pre-aware of it. You know, like I knew what Obi-Wan kind of was going to do. I knew what Ahsoka was kind of going to do. I knew what, you know, the Bad Batch, sure, we've we've seen those characters in Clone Wars and we kind of knew what we were going to get. But the Acolyte, you know, and same with like Skeleton Crew. 
Like, I don't know what this is, but there should be more tonal variation in the Star Wars universe that we often don't get. And so to do like just hardcore examination of the banality of evil on, you know, on, on Andor to get Goonies, you know, to again, recapture and rekindle the sort of kid fiction version of Star Wars and then to get Acolyte, which again, I don't know what it is, but I'm, I'm always excited for the, I don't know what it is. Yeah. I think Skeleton Crew is going to be like either really great or really not great. You know, that's, <laughs> it's like, it's like that, that sort of kid. I mean, it's, when it's great, it's E.T., it's Stranger Things. Like, it's amazing. And when it's not, it's annoying kids on your screen mm-hmm. for way too long. But the Acolyte, and I've said this on the podcast, man, I I saw, you know, about probably about two and a half minutes of footage or something at Celebration. It looks awesome, dude. It looks nice. great. I, I know that tons of lightsaber battles, very martial arts inspired. I think Manny Jacinto told me kind of the bar they set for themselves was that Phantom Menace, Darth Maul lightsaber mm-hmm. battle and trying to top that every time. And, uh, I mean, there's, you know, there's a Jedi Wookiee. Like, I mean, what else could we ever ask for in our lives? You know, <laughs> you know, and I, and I, and I, I appreciate the, the thing that Star Wars has become for me, um, which in, there's a world in which I never thought that I'd be this person who says this. Right. But like, I love it when it's an open garden, when it's an open field and not a closed walled garden. Right. Like I, the, the thing that I, disliked about Ahsoka. There's much to, to appreciate about it. Namely, I will watch anything Rosario Dawson does. But it felt very much like a walled off garden where like if you had not watched Clone Wars and all of Clone Wars and Rebels, then this was not the show for you because this show didn't necessarily care about you. It cared about feeding that as opposed to welcoming in somebody new. And so something newish feels like it wants to be like, yeah, Skeleton Crew, come aboard. We will hold your hand as we do this. We will tell you everything you need to know. Like there is no homework that you have to have read before you, you come to this. Same with Acolyte um, is, is my hope. But too much of Star Wars, especially Star Wars on TV and Star Wars recently, has been some kind of like weird gatekeepery test of like, well, tell me, have you seen all of season three of Clone Wars? Do you like, have you read this thing? Do you have all of the notes? I'm like, I don't, I just want to turn it on and watch it. Yeah. That was my one sort of issue that I wondered about when I, with the Ahsoka finale is I really loved Devin did too. So I'll speak for both of us. We love the Balin Skull character and that entire storyline. We're really in most intrigued to see where that went by the end. And then all they showed at the end was him standing on a cliff. Now, if you've watched Rebels and Clone Wars, you know what those statues are in, in the in you know that he's standing on, and like that's sort of a hint of where this is going, and that's really cool. But if you have not watched that show, it's just a dude standing on a cliff with you know with no no season progress in terms of the answer of, of what he's going for. So yeah, I I definitely co-sign what you're saying there about sort of not making it as accessible for people that didn't watch those animated uh, series. Uh, all right. So the last thing I'm going to ask you to do is, is maybe the toughest. So what oh. I want you to do here now is, no, I want you to, without spoiling anything for people that haven't read episode, uh, issue one of Mace Windu, um, give us sort of a sense of what's going to be happening in the, uh, the rest of the series here coming up. Um, well, I think... I think if you if you take the midnight run with a Jedi and a smuggler to heart, then it does sort of imply that like, yeah, there's going to be like planes, trains, and automobiles. There's going to be um, lots of people along the way who want what Azita's carrying. Um, we we introduce 
a series of bad guys who will challenge both what Zeta believes about the universe and what Mace believes about the universe um, uh, down to its down to its core, um, because they all have some inf- intimate knowledge about what makes both of them tick. Um, but also it's fun, you know, like it's, it's the, the thing that I've always loved about Star Wars. Like, even if it's serious, even if it's grim, you know, like George Lucas knew he was making pulp and so it had to operate like pulp and, you know, Buck Rogers and Flash Gordon, you know, and samurai movies were the things that he stole from. And so like, if we can, if we can inject a bit of that energy, a bit of that, you know, like we are just kind of balls to the wall at a thousand miles an hour, just trying to, to, to go for it. That was the that was the brief that I set for myself. It was like how how fast can this feel, and how much fun can we have, and can there be some humor, and can there be some some pathos, and can we create some characters who hopefully might survive this book and go on to 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 exist in other people's stories? Then uh, then then we win. Um, well, it's tons of fun, and I can't wait to see where where it all sort of leads. And here's what I want to leave you with. What you need to do now, now that you've got this in, so you're in at Marvel and you're writing all these different Star Wars comics, we need you to pitch a Kit Fisto series. And then Devin and I, I don't want to speak for Devin, but we will join you and we'll be in your writer's room for just a Kit Fisto specific series because that is our favorite Jedi ever. Fisto full of dollars. That's what I'm talking about. (laughs) See? Already we're making magic, man. We're making it happen. The two Fistos Uh, of McCluskey. <laughs> See, I love how Mark already like your EW brains coming back with the puns. It's, it's like never it's 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 never stopped. It's been it's like in this locked room, and every once in a while you'll unlock it, and the puns just come flying it's out. Like, Is it time again, boss? Yeah, it's time. Let's go make some puns. <laughs> Best, uh, Mark Bernard, dude. Thanks for hanging out. It's always a blast, man. Thank you, Dalton. I appreciate it. A big thanks to my main man, Mark Bernard, for hanging out with us this week. And I hope you had fun hanging out here on the Double D as well. If you want to be our favorite person in the history of people, just follow the podcast, rate it, write us a nice review. It's the ultimate trifecta and it takes just 30 seconds. You can also leave us a voicemail message at any time about anything you want. Just call us and say what you got to say at 657-799-1566 and you can be part of the show. You can also connect with us on social media by following Entertainment Weekly on all socials. It's at EW on Twitter and at Entertainment Weekly everywhere else. You can also tag and follow us directly using at Dalton Ross and at Devin Kogan. Thanks so much, everyone. We'll do it all over again next week. This episode of Dagobah Dispatch Podcast is hosted and produced by Dalton Ross and Devin Kogan. Produced and edited by Sammy Junio. Full episode transcripts are available at EW.com. Thanks for listening and may the force be with you.